Welcome to the Calling of the Rant. I'm Sly. And I'm, my heart can't take much more of this spook. Eight in a row. Eight in a row? Yep. Is it like eight is enough? It's not enough. To fill our lives with love. And other stuff. What do you think about this win against the Crows? How many get-out-of-jail free cards do you get in your average Monopoly set these days? I don't know. 47? <laughs> um, we'll need a few more yet. Um, what do you mean this game? I was stuck at an airport watching this on my phone, so I wasn't subjected entirely to the commentary. Did they say anything about JFK being assassinated while you were in the airport? No. No. I don't even know what that reference film. Yeah. So... I had the unique experience of watching a game on my phone for the first time ever. Instead so, of tweeting on it? <laughs> no, but instead of watching it on the big screen or at the game, which I actually found interesting because it was like, okay, I've got to really focus on what's happening and I can't rely on the commentary. Sorry, Anthony Hudson and Kelly Onward. Oh, if only they were sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think? Because to me, I thought we're a little bit lazy, it looked like. For some of that game, I thought we got 10 points up and it felt like the players sort of said, yeah, we're going to do this. And they started buying into their own hype and Adelaide came at him really hard and then Collingwood realised, shit, we're in for a scrap here and we had to up the ante. And it became a battle. And, and to give Adelaide credit, they were really good. Yeah, good. But I thought we should, should have still won relatively comfortably because there were patches where we got a little bit in front and then we just gave up goals. Oh, it was a massive momentum shifting game. I think the initial thing that, that sprung to my mind was, and I, I think I messaged you about it um, while you were in uh, Kuala Lumpur's airport, yep. um, that we just didn't play the conditions, I don't think, as well as Adelaide did. Um, there I were, think we tried to. A lot of the, Every soccer kick pretty much was terrible. Well, I think the intent obviously was to move the ball forward at all costs, but those kicks were just 9 out of 10 were going to Adelaide players. No, that's, and, I, they were, I, and they were clearly... I don't, I don't think it was 9 out of 10. I mean, the, the incredible thing was just how clean Adelaide were in those conditions. Um, we were haphazard. They were using the ball a hell of a lot better, and naturally yep. that was um, translating on the scoreboard. That was my initial thoughts, but then the momentum shift started happening. It was just like, oh, it's your go, it's my go, it's your go, it's my go. Um, and it just becomes that whole thing about who's going to be on f- uh, in front on at, at the very end when it counts. It was just like you couldn't predict who was going to win that one. I thought we were going to win. Are you shocked <laughs> that their key forward got a hold of us? No, it's never happened before, has it? Are you shocked that the ease that they displayed getting the ball out of the fucking midfield? No, that was frustrating. I mean, the, the lack of defensive pressure in the midfield wasn't great. Also, oh, Adams is gone. Adams is probably the, the general yeah. in terms of midfield ferocity. And, and, and Degs, I think, to a certain extent. About I was going to say, the goal, gets underrated that because people only recognise the goal is doing well if he's doing something spectacular up forward. Apparently, you can't have games in the midfield where you're doing stuff. I think people are more concerned about uh, where his hands are when they're not near a football. Well, that's a good point. Now, I'm just <laughs> <Was> curious. <it? laughs> This, this guy in 35, can you play? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit agnostic about him. He's struggling. He's I think, str- I think when, 40 he gets, disposals? when he gets to 20 games, I think that's when it'll all click for him. Are you fucking surprised how... Oh, he's, he's our best player already. And how quickly he's evolved. He's, he's playing like a guy who's played 100 games. Um, 198. There are things he's done. I recall Buckley referencing, saying... There are, you know, oh, During the game... I couldn't hear or is it. Was this a past comment? I think it was previously, but there was. Uh, I can't remember if it was that kick across ground to his brother. But there was a bit of play where Buckley goes. There's guys who've played a hundred games that wouldn't go for that kick. He's gone for it, and he's done Wasn't this that last week. 
I can't. That's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I didn't hear the commentary. It wasn't Buckley. Yeah, all, all I heard. No, no, he, he was saying something similar. And a lot of other players, uh, sorry, commentators and that, except for Anthony Hudson, are really sort of jumping in and going, this guy, Jonathan Brown's going, this is the best first year I've played seen, uh, since Chris Judd. You would think so. I only saw like one game of Chris Judd. Judd, Judd, Judd never got a... I, I did read a stat that Judd's never had a 40-possession game. Ah, he's no good. But you know, you can't read too much into those numbers. I will say one thing, as good as Chris Judd was, his ball use was pretty average. So there was a comment made, I don't know if it was the, the peanuts who uh, populate Twitter, but um, well, actually he might have been um, a commentator was saying about, um, you know, like he gets a lot of possessions, but they, surprised. I think it was actually Corns. He said that you, you tend to bump him up a fair bit by doing kick-ins. Well, he got 40 touches this week. I don't remember him doing a solitary kick-in, do you? What was the thing? I recall a few weeks ago where he got 37 touches and they said, ah, oh, he does the kick-ins. He doesn't do 37 kick-ins. No, he, does, he might do... That's 36. You know, he might do five or six. So, well, okay, we go down from 37 to 30. Jeez, you slob. <laughs> how but dare all those you? remaining positions, there's not too many cheap, easy ones in there. No, but, but the thing is, how many kick-ins are you doing that are flattering you? It's not like he's gone from 10 to 20 and going, oh, he's had a good, you know, a good game. He's gone from like 30 to 40. It's not so much in this instance, but I'm saying, geez, take those kickings out. He's still got a lot of possessions. And free free goals in this game also. He's on about eighty seven percent kicking efficiency as well. It was just um, a phenomenally all good. And we we're talking there. about this also that the goals he's kicked, they haven't just gotten in; they've just all split the center. Yeah. You know, and that one he kicked on the run from fifty, he barely seemed to really put much effort into it. it was just beautifully timed. It's 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 smooth. I likened it to watching the ballet. That um, there's just no you deviation watch, of perfect execution other than what he does. You watch the ballet a lot. No, I've, I have no idea what the ballet is, but it sounds How impressive. Can you it? Do you think we would have won the last eight straight if he was just the first year player like Jaden Stevenson? Or no, I think his influence is just too great now. So we're talking about this. So if you look at all the first round draft picks we've had over the last twenty years, Josh Fraser, I think is maligned, but that wasn't great. Didn't have this impact. I mean, Fraser's career as it went on tended to decline and people remembering more by the end. I mean, he was never the... I remember when we were going to draft him, it was like, oh, he's like Wayne Carey, he's a once-generation player. Now, he never hit those heights, but he was a lot better than people give him credit for. He, I mean, we've covered this before, but he was unfairly marked because of the number one mantle. Yeah. If you if you take him at pick 18, everyone would still be singing his praises. But as I said, in the last four or five years, injuries just got the better of him and it really brought him down. Uh, Alan Didak in 2001 good player didn't have this sort of first season he only played a handful of games in his first season he sat on the bench for half his half the start yeah you know Ben Reid Nathan Brown okay they took a while to come up Chris Egan never really got a look in Jordan Ngoi took a while he showed some I mean in fairness Ngoi he played during that era of the sub so he came off like 20 minutes at times Uh, Jonas Stevenson had a really good um you know, first season, but yep. if he wasn't impacting goals, he didn't seem to be, you know, as influential in the games, whereas Nick Dacos is constantly. I mean, the guy who got closest is Dale Thomas in 2006. He really energised that side, was constantly impactful. I mean, the thing with Daisy, people forget, is he did a lot of the 1%ers, he did a lot of the hard stuff, but people sort of said he's got the flashy blonde hair and all he's good for is like the leap and the goal. He was doing a lot of, you know, little things. And as you've said, great gut run and one of the best finals players I've seen. Yep. But Nick has seriously driven this team from bottom six, bottom eight to top six, possibly top four. He's gotten you know over thirty possessions, what about five times now? He got forty possessions in the wet. 
kicking three goals. Callum Tooney, Tooney said that... Callum Tooney. Tooney yeah, Callum Tooney. He said that Peter Dacos used to... Well, he used to tell his dad, Peter, to bring him out. Yeah, I did read that. It was good. And practice his skills in the wet. Hmm. Now, the really interesting thing, do you remember like, the, the video, Dacos Magic, that they used to... They used to release those sort of... Yes, I had that on VHS. I still got that somewhere. Um, but I recall a quote that Peter Dacos said. Like, he said something like, people say, practice makes perfect. And he goes, I disagree. Perfect practice makes perfect. And that really applies to what you're seeing with we should, Nick. We should practice doing this then. Why do we want to be perfect? <laughs> We're like that flawed Persian rug that needs that flaw so you can appreciate its beauty. But yeah, Nick Dacos is... You'd have to say he's, he's the best player in the side. Oh, it's it's, it's ridiculous, really. Yeah, he is. If you at the time at which we're rebuilding, it's the perfect centerpiece to to build a side around as we as we progress forward on this journey. He's the sort of player looking like Pendlebury. I mean, Pendlebury was very impactful from his first season and a half. I mean, he only played for about the first half of the year, mm. but he's the sort of guy you're watching him now and you're going. This is usually what you should be liking about your third year. You know, when you've had about 40, 50 games under your belt and they've hitting you at a half forward and shit. Wherever they're moving this guy from half back to half forward into the midfield, he's just having an impact. And I think they've actually gotten to the point where they should just say, fuck this half back shit. Let's play Crisp down there. Let's put him back down there and let's just throw Nick in the midfield. Would he stand the crash and bash in the midfield though? Because he is a little bit live still. I, I think, think that'd be the major concern. You'd have to put him in there with partnership. Like you put him in behind Adams and Dugowie, then it would be like, well allows him sort of to play off them and allow those to do the uh, do the physical work. Do you know where I think he'd be best played? Wherever um, he determines. Melbourne? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he's ours now. We're keeping him. We followed us home. Well, we should sign him for 11 years. <laughs> Wait for it. Jack Ginevan. Where, where do we start? Does he have a head anymore? So... Kane Corns has said you can do anything you want to this guy and he's not going to get a free. He can decapitate him. He's not going to get a free. That's my major concern with it all now. Though. Wayne Carey's actually come out and said, well, now that opposition know they're not going to get pinged, they're actually they're going, going out harder. And I think that's already started happening. Yeah. I mean, there was a couple of um, ones that were high where he's already on the ground on the weekend. And if you're ignoring them, I'm not sure how it's possible to drop the knees and duck when you're, when you're already this, this far off the ground. And they were overlooked, and that's where it's starting to get a little bit concerning. And the, it's, again, like on um, it was Channel 9 or wherever it was tonight, we're talking about the AFL's come out and said that they they won't be changing the rule or anything. It's all the Ginevan controversy. I reckon there was at least six pieces of footage that came out of the games on the weekend where players were doing it worse. That Cossie Pickett, um, Pickett his was blatantly putting the arm up. Um, that was okay. That was a free well, kick the, a goal. Um, there was a number of them that um that Well, during occurred. the game, Anthony Hudson had a shot at Pendlebury for dropping the knees. Oh, I'll say this about Pendlebury. Pendlebury's been doing that for about 12 years, and people only picking up he's doing it now. The free... Because Ginevan taught him how to do it. The three leading perpetrators of that are Selwood, Cochin, and, Pen, and, and Pendlebury. Ginevan. Pendlebury and Cochin have been doing this, and it's just for whatever reason, they've been highlighted, which is an interesting thing because it's like... Well, these guys have been doing it for 200-plus games, but you picked on this guy because, I don't know, like Anthony Hudson wants to be a twat. I mean, it was great that Nathan Buckley put him in his place to an extent. Um, but the stuff that's happened to, to Ginevan, I Peter Hellier highlighted the Fremantle game on Twitter where uh, Michael Walters did the same thing. Yep. And the commentators were talking, well, that takes skill to do that. <laughs> so it's amazing the different narrative. It's like when Ginevan does it, 
oh, well, he's staging, it should be, you know... But Sly, the up. AFL's come out and told us today that they're not treating Ginevan any differently. Really? Okay. The proof's not in the pudding, though. It's not like we all see this happen on the TV. But we're biased, though, because we're calling it supporters. Well, I did... Just like how Anthony Hudson isn't biased when it comes to uh, Duckwood, uh, Selwood. Hudson, you're a twat. Um, Is he? They're not treating Mason Cox you... differently, either. I mean, he doesn't get mauled or anything. No, well, he's been um, effectively scragged his whole career. So why would you uh, stop that now? No, this, this stuff on Ginevan, I really hope that the club start making a bit more noise and just saying, this is fucked. And actually showing footage and going, you know what, you can't let this continue. Because if this guy gets injured because someone decides to whack him in the head because you're not penalising opponents for doing this, then it's going to be fucking on you and we're going to come for you. This is where I wouldn't have mind like a bit of Eddie in the presidency just for someone to come out. It doesn't have to be um, Jeff Brown, but just someone, whether it's Paul LeCurie or Graham Wright or whatever, just going, no, you need to fucking straighten this out because we're not going to subject this kid to this. Having said that, to, to Ginevan, having defended him there, Mate, you need to find a second trick to your game. Oh, that's a fair point. When you pick up the ball, fire handball out. So if they hit you, the ball's at least fucking moving because the way you're playing at the moment, you're dragging it in. So if they're not going to pay the free, they're now going to start pinging you. So at least if you're getting hit in the head and you're firing the ball out, they cannot get you for you know, dragging the ball in or whatever. Like they got you for dragging the ball in when Tex oh, Walker held me. the ball behind you. Is that just about the worst free you've ever seen in your I life? I think it is. Holding the ball when you're not even holding the ball. No, and he was trying to get out of there, and Walter was actually holding Tex it. Tex pulled the ball in. No, Walter, actually, when, when they called the free at that time, I thought that was legitimately against Walker for for bringing the ball in and, and not trying to get rid of it. Well, technically, Ginevan's trying to get up, and Walker's holding Ginevan while he's holding the ball with his other hand. So it's actually holding the, the ball. Hold the man. In, it's sitting back on his feet. Yeah, so it's actually holding the man. You're holding Ginevan from getting away from that. And you got to say, that's a really shit decision where someone who's generally pretty calm in Pendlebury started going at the umpire, oh, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, you're 50, mate. Yeah, I'm going 50 against you, mate. And that is really shit. Like, that actually shows how terrible that dissent, dissent rule is where the captain himself can't actually turn around and go, what the fuck are you doing? That wasn't a whole... That was such an issue, it wasn't. So no one can question an umpire on one of the fucking most appalling decisions of all time. And it's, it's an incredibly crucial part of the game at that point, too. And yeah. to give them a goal, it's it was feral. But that's that's the problem with that dissent rule. So you have something appalling like that. So what you're saying is you can never question the umpires. So the umpires will never be held accountable. If you're never held accountable, then you can make all the shit decisions you want because you're never under examination. So you can just be a shit, putrid, terrible example at your profession, like Anthony Hudson, <laughs> and it's okay because no one's ever going to pull you up on it. This so that really fucking shit. But Ginevan... Um, Mate, you need to start developing a few more strings, Devo. I think that's it. If you want to defuse it, you've really got to then start doing the odd thing yeah. away from. What's what I said last week? Yeah, getting the head high tackles because I think the expectation now is as soon as you get near the ball, it's going to happen. Yeah. And he's being tackled accordingly too because they know they're going to get away with it. And that's more concerning to me is is that there's a potential for more harm with them coming in harder and harder each week, knowing they're not, they're not going to be um, pissed again. But where's the onus? Is the onus on um, the tackler to execute the tackle right? Well, according to people like Sam Mitchell, who's an AFL coach, uh, there was another coach who came out and said, yes, it's on the, uh, the onus is on the tacklers. We saw Mark Robinson on that shit fuck of a show, whatever the... Where, what is it? Uh, I don't know. I, I can't give it a name. Uh, AFL 360? Is that it? Why? Because it makes your head spin because they fucking say nothing of any worth. Well, Gidevan's head spinning at the moment. Or... So Mark Robinson questioned, questioned Sam Mitchell in that typical way. You're, a, you're an ex-player. You're a coach. 
No, no, wait, wait, wait. You're a little bit too coherent. But he always does that little gro- <laughs> You're a coach. He, he talks like Barney in The Simpsons. All he needs to do is burp during a game. He's not that eloquent. <laughs> but he actually brought it up with Sam Mitchell, and Sam Mitchell just goes, We don't talk about it. It's you guys dictate the narrative. And, you know, Robinson tried to steer it back because Robinson, I noticed, is a master. He should be a fucking in uh, political campaigning because he always tries to find a way to turn around and go, no, that's not me. It's you guys. You guys, this is, I'm bringing this up as an issue on behalf of you guys. Do you know in Star Trek he invented the deflector shield? I don't think most people watch Star Trek. Um, And Sam Mitchell just turned around and goes, no, we don't, we, we spend maybe three minutes a week on training on this. Um, and you just fucking put him back in his place. And guys like Mitchell and that said, hey, it's up to the tackler to find a way to tackle him better. But apparently when it's Ginnivan and Yaffle, it's fine to fucking decapitate him. Mm-hmm. If it's Joel Selwood, it's an art. Well, if the- it's Michael Walters, it's a skill. But if it's Ginnivan, it's a fucking problem. The AFL's come out now, I think, um, when we were sitting in the, uh, what's it called? The green room? The green room? Yeah. The, the ready room or whatever it is that the AFL's are now announced pretty much that you put the arms up or you drop down or anything, it's, it's going to be Dame play on. So that's their fix of, uh, they stick their head in the sand and then just uh, pretend it never happened. Well, as for the Jack, mate, just get the fucking ball out. So if you cop it in the head, at least the ball's still moving. You stop dragging it in. That's the one thing. You know, you're like going, I've got to hit. Play stops. They're not going to give you the free. So actually put the onus back on them to fucking go, all right, we need to determine whether this guy's playing for it. If you're actually moving the ball on, you, they can't be saying you're playing for it. Do you know what he should do is tackle himself. When he gets the ball, wrap his own arm around his neck and throw himself to the ground. Maybe he should go into the garage and in a fit of depression. <laughs> Movie quote. Ash Johnson's debut. Um, had its moments, didn't it? It was good. Started pretty, not scarily, but he, you can see he was a little bit overawed. Yeah, well, I think it was a fair step up. Coming into it, and look, I haven't watched any BFL games, but I don't know what he'd done to actually deserve the elevation. Um, he stayed fit. Oh, that could be. No, he didn't. He no, no, he did it, but then he came back. Yeah, and... then he came good. Um, so it was an interesting call, I think, initially. I was surprised, but I think they they they, they clearly rate him highly, and they wanted to get him out there and give him a taste, at least. And he did say in the post match interview that um, it was a bit like. Um, What's his name from the club? Jeff Haywood. Yeah. He was out there watching a seagull for the first 15 minutes. He said he was uh, a little bit in awe of the crowd and uh, the, the sound and everything. It took a little while to sort of get used to playing in the big amphitheatre of uh, football. But um, he looked lively. I really liked it, what you know, I saw. You know when I thought he really fit in? When he socked that ball into the goalpost. <laughs> and I thought, welcome to Collingwood. He, he looks like he wants to take as, as many opportunities as he can. I don't mind that. No, I like, I like that. That first goal he got was great because it was one on two. He's, you know, smothered the ball, killed it from them. You know, they should have been able to waltz it out. He's created the goal out of yeah. nothing. And, and prior to that, there would have been probably about three or four opportunities that he tried to to get a goal. He looked like he was chomping at the bit to, to snag one. Yep. Ended up two, two on the debut. And, and the second goal, he kicked it at a vital time. That was a beautiful time. kick. He let into space. You have you seen that often at Collingwood? No. Jamie Elliott does it well though. Maybe he just follows his lead. He'll be good. Um, Trimpianko. He he looked really really accomplished in the midfield. I was uh, very pleased with his game. I didn't think um, coming into to playing him today um, on 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 Saturday. 
I wasn't convinced with the selection. Really? <laughs> There's no evidence of this anywhere, is there, that might be leaked? <laughs> um, yeah, look, I had my doubts. Um, but he uh, proved me wrong. He won't be the last either. But I was uh, I was pleased, very pleased with his performance. I think I like I it. didn't think he was capable of, of it. And in the wet, that's uh, even more doubly so. I think, it's, I think he showed some... I mean, the skills are good, but the thing I really look for in any football is the poise. Do you just... Blast, blast away or do you sort of go hang on I've got a second here I'm going to, can you examine what I'm going to do and he did that a few yep. times and the thing that's been really pleasing is you look at Bianco he's played as a small forward last year played as a small forward for I think one game this year when Makuru was out Rusko who I think has actually been really good in defence since he came in he was played as a forward under Buckley last year he's been slotted back in the defence Harvey did that first last year but it's like okay you know these guys can play there and even if you can't get keep his position at the moment, it's like we've got something mm. that, you know, a, f- a few weeks ago you would have thought, who are we going to keep on the list? Have they shown enough? I think Bianco and Rusko are showing, you know, like these guys can play when they get their spot or when they earn a spot. I don't know, but... I definitely think that's the case. We've, we've been bemoaning the lack of depth, whereas I think the depth has just never been played in the right positions. Well, that's the thing, you know, and they probably haven't been played in the right sort of system too. Mm. And the system's the most vital thing. Do you even look, I mean, in, in talking about system, obviously <clears throat> the the players are loving what uh, McRae's bringing to the table, but do you even look at the, the VFL game on the weekend, which is one that I watched um, about half of, um, they look way better at the moment. So it's yeah. filtering downwards too. But I think that, that influence um, that the and, and the changes that the the club has made are bearing fruit, not just at the senior level, but in the, in the next um, tier down. Yeah, I heard um, one of the early speeches that McRae gave when he showed up was to tell the players, you've got to move the ball toward the goals on that side of the ground. And the player said, there's goals on that side of the ground? <laughs> I don't know whether I can do that, coach. Darcy Cameron? Hey, what's he been? Should we sign him for nine years? I think we should. I think he's, he's probably due for about um, a million bucks a year over the next ten. Oh, look, he's been great. And he's playing the traditional ruck role, but he's still doing, actually, or he's, he's doing a few of those, you know, little rover things like the, the soccer goal. The soccer goal was superb. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I've always said, you know, the ruckman wanting to do ruck things. And if he, whatever else he does is a bonus. If he's oh, not yeah, doing the ruck things and he's doing the other things, it's like, well, I'd rather we got a ruckman. Um, so he's been told, um, or sorry, Grundy's been told that when he comes back, He's coming back as a four. He's playing more as a four, potentially. And he'll be playing second fiddle to, um, to, to Dars. Let me ask you this. you got potentially Kruger coming back because he was going to come back in the last month. And now you're sort of looking at going, well, originally you would have said just wait. But he might be an option to bring up. You've got the goalie coming in. You've got Henry in the reserves. Henry kicked four goals. So you actually now have a little bit of a surplus up forward. And you've got Grundy in there telling him, well, we're going to try up forward. Is Grundy actually the wrong injection? Can we put that Star Trek Red Alert thing up in the background? Yeah. No, I don't think this is going to work. I, I just can't. So I think that the, the the heart is overruling the head in, in rushing Grundy back into a position. Look, I don't know. We'll, we'll probably potentially get it wrong. Maybe he'll, he'll... He's not a forward. No, and that's the thing. Apart from, from hitting a lot of... Uh, getting a lot of hit outs... I don't know what he does consistently. Well, let's go. And this is not a criticism of Grundy. I mean, I've said this for years. It sounds like a criticism of Grundy. No, no. I've said this for years in relation to Cox playing forward. I've always said he's a ruckman. Now, you can throw him up forward and have that one good game every now and again where you'll rip him apart, but generally he'll play the way he's been playing, you know? And that's not a criticism of Cox. That's just if ruckman were the key 
uh, component to just building a forward line. Every club would just go out and get a ruckman and just go, yeah, let's just play him up forward. They've, they're predominantly, they've struggled. The only two exceptions were Paul Salmon, you know, back in the 80s, and uh, Peter Everett for Hawthorne and St Kilda. He actually yeah. did it. All the other ruckmen play that position exactly the way Cox has played it. They'll get a couple of goals here and there, but they won't be great. So Grundy, maybe they're saying he's got some athleticism, so he'll play it better, but... It's like if you're that size, you want this guy to be crashing packs, taking marks like Anthony Rocker or Travis Clark. Yeah, I just don't see and he doesn't that. have that component to the game. And that's not a criticism of him as in, you know, like saying if you, you gonna, can't do it. It's, but that's just not a component of his game. And if you're going to change it up, surely you've got to go back to the VFL and, and apply this trade for about four or five weeks or something to get... You can't just put him back in the seat and say, that's it from day one, you're going to be an effective forward. No. I think it'll actually work against us. I actually think it'll work against us too, because this goes to another point. You have McCreary pinballing around, tackling, pressuring everybody. Um, Superbly. Hoskin Elliott's been better in that respect. He's been, he's been a little bit up and down in the output. Has really? Side, really? Side bottom has been good in that respect. Yes. Guys like Ollie, Ollie Henry, were you surprised he was dropped? I was, because that was just one-off game. So the thing with Henry, I think if you take out the heroics from these games... There's not been a lot else to his game. It's just he's come really good at late, you know, late in the games and he's kicked, he's kicked a few the bulk goals. of his goal yeah. in the last quarter. But you know, for three other quarters, he's been largely unsighted. And the thing is, he's averaging one tackle a game. So they must be saying to him, look, you've got to lift your intensity. You've got to be, have more input throughout the whole game. Uh, so I wasn't totally surprised that he was dropped. But it's you look at that forward 50, you put Grundy in there, you're not getting any great pressure from him. No. So you're going to slow down that four line a little bit. He's not a great contested mark. And I was going to say, you bring Kruger in, let's say Kruger's fit, and you go, let's play, who do we play, Kruger or Grundy? I'd rather play Kruger, because Kruger is a maniac who's going to run straight through packs, and maybe then you can bring Grundy in after Kruger does his shoulder again. <laughs> but until that happens... Can you, can you bring him in at halftime? <laughs> well, yes, <yeah>, some. <laughs> um, but Kruger plays that position. Like We've only got very limited evidence on Kruger, <laughs> shockingly. But... You looked at him and you thought, he does play like uh, Rocker and Cloak. I mean, Ash Johnson looked good, but he didn't play that position like I'm going to run through packs. Yeah. He played like I'm going to jump on top of packs. I got the sneaking suspicion that they'll want to give um, Ash Johnson another week, and I think Henry will stay down the twos. Not so much for the fact that he can't kick goals. I think it's that lack of offensive pressure yeah. that wasn't evident during the VFL game. Well, he only got one well. tackle in the yeah. VFL game they'll, too. They'll want to get him to work on that. And look, that's fine. Uh, he's probably due for a bit of a rest. I know, and I know some people will say, oh, how would you respond to people who go, oh, his offensive pressure is kicking goals? Oh, there's more to it than that. Oh, well, there is. For three quarters, you do nothing, and then you yeah. get a couple of goals. I mean, and that's the problem. Man. And, and if you look, last week was a classic example. If you, if you can't find the goals that week, what, what did you bring to the rest of the game? And the thing is, we're not saying he should bring the offensive pressure McCreary does. He's just got to bring more than he is bringing. Yeah. You know, I think that of the forwards, you'd expect that they at least get two tackles a game. If you've played, I don't know, I think he's played about 12, 13 games, to expect him to have 26 tackles, I don't think it's a major ask, but he's on like one tackle a game. Yeah. Similarly with Ginevan. Ginevan is not doing enough for mine too. Uh, any final thoughts about the game? Because we're going to go into selections. Uh, no, look, again, um, it's that... I don't know whether it's even a self-belief. I think it is, but it's that just that ability to keep winning. Um, 
I don't know whether you can rely on this every week no, at this can't. stage. So um, it's a little bit concerning, but I'm loving it at the moment. I love watching them. Um, it's it's refreshing at the moment. Um, and I love the wins, don't get me wrong, but um, there's still a lot of work there to be done. I don't think that even internally they wouldn't deny that for a second. Oh, um, yeah. But it's trekking all in the right direction. The one thing I'll say is, you know, you look at it like I think about a month ago you said we should win the next five or something. Um, North played really well against yeah. us and they beat Richmond, which showed that their forms turned. Adelaide over there, they had a bad game against Hawthorne last week, but they've been pretty good over there. They've played well. Gold Coast, a lot more competitive. I know they were shit against Essendon, but generally they've been consistently a lot more competitive. And over there particularly. Um, GWS is a bit, little bit hit and miss, but they are a competitive side. Mm-hmm. So I don't think any of those games were gimmies ultimately. It wasn't like we're watching two sides who were just totally shit and we... No, which is a positive. Yeah, you know, so in terms of where those teams were in terms of the form they displayed at those times, it was like, you know, I'd sort of say they were 8th to 12th sort of sides rather than, you know, North's 18th. North played really well against us for three quarters and they played really well against Richmond and they beat Richmond who was 8th or whatever. Mm. So just sort of saying... Given those form, those score lines are very close. It, it's, I think, and a little bit... It is a difficult season to yeah. read, too, because a lot of those games where we've had those close wins, those sides invariably the following we've gone on and had very convincing victories. Yeah. You look back and you think, well, it actually did you undervalue our win that week. But I, I think it's just more of a bit of a haphazard season. But look, look the, the winning only... and winning ugly or winning by... Um, what are we averaging um, the last six or seven games? We've been won by a kick or two. Um, it's still the four points. Yeah. I mean, our percentage is, is nothing to write home about. Um, but then again, you know, at the end of the day, all you got to do is uh, win more games than the blokes below you. Yep. Uh, reserves played Port Melbourne. We won by 33 points. Good news that Campbell Husway got 26 possessions, but he's not on our list. Callum Brown got 37 possessions. Tyler Brown got 34 oh. possessions. Uh-oh. Actually, I, um, I thought um, um, Tyler Brown was really good from uh, from the half I saw. Look, I, I didn't see any of this game. Um, Callum Brown, I still think, is a handy role player if you can get him back to what he was doing in 2018. Where he fits in that the grand scheme of things, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be enough of a... He has enough weapons to be a frontline mid. Hmm. He's always going to be that sort of depth mid, like Patrick Wapinski. Um, was it the Bulldogs? So whether he can develop enough tools to go to another level, and Tyler Brown's got a bit of size. He's got a bit of he's, he's got he's got a few things. Oh, he was pretty frenetic too, which it's not a side of his game that you see a lot of. But he was he was consistent. Do you know who I also liked too in that VFL game was that Lachlan Tardew, <laughs> Cooper Murley, Cooper Murley is a Cooper yeah. Murley. He looked like he had potential. Fast, he was um, fast. So Finlay McRae had a quiet one. Cooper Murley had eighteen possessions, and Caleb Poulter. Uh, 22 possessions, but I don't know why. You just can't seem to get a look in. It's like you must throw his boots on the uh, floor in disgust and just leave. There's obviously um, the, the tea lady at the club doesn't like him or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not Probably sure what like it is there. Community or something. I really like Poulter. Um, I really like Poulter too. Um, it's, yeah, look, yeah, but they can't all fit in, I guess. So. Well, that's a nice thing. You're finally sort of going, hey, we're struggling to fit in players. So this week, potentially, at the time of recording this, you're going to get... Taylor Adams back, possibly Jordan Degoe and Isaac Quainer, who had uh, COVID. COVID, yeah. 
Um, so you could tell in that footage, he had a lot of tissues on his coffee table. Well, I actually like that footage because when Pendlebury was asking the umpire about the shit decision against Ginnivan, you know, yeah, he did. Actually... just goes, oh, "Well, you can't even speak to one of them." It's like, yeah, good on you, mate. But apparently, you can't say any of this. So I'm still waiting for the AFL issue of please explain. Which, you know, I, I, I want one of those please explains to be issued and for the player of the club to say, yeah, it was a shit decision. That's our explanation. Fuck off. Because he did say, you can't talk back to the umpires. He said, you can't yeah. do it. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> so let's say these three players all got to come back. Who do you drop? And potentially, you know, you had uh, Henry kick four goals in the VFL. Yeah. So, I think, as I said before, I think they'll want to keep Johnson in for at least another week. Um, Carmichael's, um, look at it, he wasn't too bad. Um, I think, though, he's had a taste. Uh, like I said to you last week, when I saw him run um, a couple of times, he's very slow. But he's had no pre-season or anything like that. He's come out of, where, did, where was he playing? Um, Sandful after leaving Mildura or something. I don't think you get a lot of hard match conditioning fitness out of yeah. those competitions. I think he'd be better for the run um, and leading into um, next year, have a good preseason under his belt. He'd be an easy one to make um, uh, way for. Look, Rusko's probably one, but I think Rusko's been performing Rus- um, admirably. Rusko's really good, and you've got Quainel coming back. Bring Quainel back. Potentially allows you to play Nick Dykos more for... The... Well, you want to drop Chris, so maybe that's... No, no I don't want to drop Chris. No, I, you've I, said that. No, you've I said... said you do, you've hated no one more in your life. I said put Chris... Than, than you do right now with Chris. I said put, I said put Chris back at halfback. You said put Chris in the ground. No, they've always... Um, they've always talked with Chris as the midfielder. It's like, I've never understood that. I know he's got some good run and all that, but if you're going to take someone from that defensive six and make a midfield, it would be Maynard for me. I've always said that for years. Oh, yeah. I don't know why they always persevere with Chris but so I'd throw him back to halfback and then move Nick Dacos onto the ball or half forward or even doing something like if you don't want him in centre clearances start him at half forward and then you know rotate him around to the centre clearances um, I mean the, the three I'd drop I'd drop Ginnivan I'd say mate go establish a fucking get, go get a second trick I do wonder whether they'll do that just to defuse this whole situation for a week uh, I'll, I'd just be looking at them and going look that's not working for you, trying to get free. You need to develop more strings to your bow. He's the second highest goal kicker at the moment. It's it's a hard one to justify, I guess, dropping. Oh, look, but the oh, thing... His output, he's only kicked like one a game, I think, for the yeah. last couple. It's not like he's in the in the twos or threes like he, he was earlier on in the year. I think the other thing, he's not applying that much defensive pressure either. I mean, that last quarter when they seemed to be all sort of following the ball a lot more, he looked a lot better when he was keeping his feet and he could play the game. I reckon they just got to break this habit. They've got to fucking say to him, you're not getting this free. Regardless of what happens, you can get hit legitimately. You're not getting this free. You need to work out other ways to win the ball. And if, you know, you're still playing for this free six weeks after they've highlighted it and gone after you. So you need to develop more strings to your boat. You have the talent, you have the skill. Go learn something more and, you know, you'll, you'll have a bright future in this club. Um, Which I think he's going to have anyway. I mean, the other one potentially is Hoskin Elliott. Oh, no. No, you can't drop him. He's the glue that binds the team together. When you've got... He's untouchable. You've got like... Kevin Costner made a film about him. (laughs) Really? The untouchables? Um, He's... Defensive pressure's been better. His offensive pressure is a little bit up and down. 
I know they're not going to drop him, but I'm sort of looking... The players I've got down, there's potential players they could drop. Ruzko, not because I want him to be dropped, but if they're going to bring Cranor back, then he'd be likely the one who might go out. Carmichael, which you've pointed out. Bianco, again, I wouldn't drop him on form. No. Uh, Lipinski <laughs> is, is one... I, I don't know. It's... I, I don't know what to make him of either. I, I, he... Look, he... What did he finish with about... 28 Eight. possessions, I think it was, with with 12 tackles. Normally, those sorts of numbers would indicate that that player stands out. But to me, I look, I'm surprised each week about how much he, he actually gets his hands on the ball because none of it is memorable. It's just like you're a, a soft accumulator. Would that be too yeah. harsh? Um, I'm not sure you're not damaging in any particular way, but you're doing your job, I guess. Maybe that's the way that they view it. I mean, the other thing I'll say when I'm talking about these players potentially could be dropped is you look at the guys coming back, the Goey, Adams, and Quaynor. So I'm not sort of saying, let's drop these guys and play Cooper Murley and Paul to, no, and, and be, have these speculative players. Those, those three are walk-up stars. Yes. So, and the thing with the Goey too is I think with the way you're structured at the moment, if you, if you do have Adams come back, you probably can get the Goey to play more up forward also and actually provide a bit of a fucking deflection for guys like Johnson there because if the goalie's there next to Johnson opposition going to mind the goalie a lot more than going to mind Johnson so it's going to give Johnson a yeah. bit more freedom to develop and all that sort of stuff so just with the side the way it is at the moment I, like you're bringing in three senior players I know Quain is a lot younger but again he's a walk up start so who do you drop uh, Gilliman and Hoskin I'm oh, sorry Hoskin Elliott and Lipinski I know they're senior players I don't know what to make of Lipinski either. Um, got a lot of tackles, apparently, but covers a lot of ground, but I don't actually see it really resonate. Maybe it's because I haven't been at the game where I've seen him run around and that. Um, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what to make of him. I've The one thing I really wonder with Lipinski is to see someone we recruited, we get shit. He adds a lot to his hand. Yeah. How did he not play at the Bulldogs? It's like I'm watching him in game. Yeah. Okay, I can understand why you're depth of the Bulldogs. So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure either. Who do you think will win? Playing Essendon, 3.20 Sunday. Well, we're due for a stinker. I'm so due for a really big win. The Bombers will... They'll they'll probably win this by 10 goals. The Bombers? Bombers. I think they will too. Um, Look, I have concerns coming in the last five games. It, It should come as no surprise. I don't think you can look at anyone and consider them an easy beat going into that. But I mean... You probably would have, a few weeks ago, on their form, penciled in a win against Essendon and, and um, Port. That's the next two we've got. Um, Essendon's won three now, and they're getting a little bit of self-belief back. I think they'll, they'll be a hard team to beat this week. Um, and same with Port. I don't think it's, it's a... Are we paying them over there? That's here. It's here? Oh, they'll win that by 10 goals. Um, the guests of the club. Post that, we've got... Um, um, Melbourne, Sydney, Carlton. and Carlton, and I don't think. So you can't see us losing the game. Well, I'd love to be proven wrong, but I think it's it's a dangerous five weeks coming up. The one thing, all we're gonna do is probably win two to be absolutely a lock. I think I'm gonna win one to be a lock in the eight because everyone outside. Well, the there's a couple shit. that are. I think we're two games clear of of dropping out or something now, but. You know, the top four is just up there. It's just the next yeah. one up. I think, you know, you obviously, now that you're there, you've got to aim for that and, and get the double chance. I'm not sure whether we'll pull it off, though. 
Uh, I'd love to be proven wrong. The things I look at it because it's had so many close games. You think is that? Well, gonna, that's that's. I think that's the other bit that's working. Is that going to hit you hit the oh, yeah. wall at some point? But on the flip side, with Essendon being a bit more of a marquee club, um, I think I don't know. I mean, I don't know what what it's like behind closed doors. But sometimes I wonder when you go play lesser clubs, whether the attitude's not quite there from the beginning, and you sort of got to find the tempo throughout the game, which does suit the narrative that has been happening in these games where opposition clubs jump us and then we've got to pull them back and shit like that. With someone like Essendon, I think that, you know, we walk in and go, okay, we've got to really set ourselves to this because they're going to come out fired up. And whether we have that intensity from the beginning... Well, that's it. They're not playing finals. We've got nothing to lose. Same with Port. Yeah, but Essendon's, you know, like Essendon's a big four club. So that's the way I'm also looking at it. You're going to get 80, 90,000 oh, Yeah, and they'll be still for us. Yeah, so... Um, I really hope we set ourselves and we just smash them because I, their wins, you know, they, they beat Brisbane, as you pointed out. Brisbane had about 10 players out due to COVID. The beat Gold Coast, who's always got a bit of a question mark when they travel, and I can't remember who else they beat, but... Uh, beat an egg. Probably. Beat an egg into it. No, um, but I'll say that. So what's your tip? Um, Essendon by 10 goals. Okay, I'll say Essendon by 10 goals also. Any final thoughts in general about Collingwood? No, um, as I said, it's just a pleasure watching it at the moment. Um, even though the uh, I, I just don't like those close games, the finish, um, you still feel a little bit of confidence that they're going to get over the line at the moment and hold on. And uh, so far, they've 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 done that. So let's see. Hopefully, it continues. Well, obviously not the close finishes. I wouldn't mind seeing them blow a few sides off the park. But then again, maybe it's a little bit of rope in the dope uh, to, to lead into the finals. And Why bring Anthony Hudson into this? <laughs> Saving the best to last. Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, McRae said he's in awe of this group's will to win. Um, and that is great. You think it's character building to win all these close ones. And it's going to develop the bond between his team. But um, I'd actually like to see him win a few games where I can just chill out and go okay, we, we are more confident with our game and we can just apply it for longer. Oh, well, yeah, the grand final's probably a good example of doing that one. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's it from us. And that's it from us. Good Later. Shot. Like Ash Johnson-like.